0: This is Curious Podcast with your host, Liz Reyes. Facebook. It's not. I knew it when I first <laughs> met you, yeah. right? Because like, you used your first
1: yes. and last name. Uh, I don't know if it was on Twitter or something. You know, I was suspicious of Facebook, which is why I didn't use it. I'm waiting for Facebook to be like, your name isn't law, is it? Right. But like, I think that's they're not leaving me alone because <laughs> it seems like it could be enough. That's true, yeah. But And, like, Bianca sounds like it could be an Italian last name. Yeah, that's true. TV. That's true. But, um... Yeah, I was like, I don't know what this Facebook thing is about. I'm going to put my full last name. So I just took the first two initial, like, what is my last name? Oh, so it's that's Bianca, because right. I was also like, oh, I'm the Bianca. The Bianca. Like, oh, my God, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I
0: didn't think. Of, well, obviously, yeah. I didn't know your last name, so I wouldn't right. put that connection together. <laughs> that's funny. Well, yeah. welcome, Bianca. Thank We're you. recording now. Okay, good. Um, so, okay, so my goal with the podcast and I kind of I guess start out usually expressing that but we talked about it a little bit in the car and you know my hope was to learn from people that know things that I don't know and hopefully um, whoever listens is also learning with me and, and kind of getting some different perspectives and things that they may not even realize that they were missing you know um so I follow you on Facebook and I met you I don't even know how long Like, at least five was. years ago. It had to have been even more. Yeah, it was more definitely post-grad, a gradua- post-graduation, but I would say even ten years ago.
1: Really? <laughs> like, it's been a long well, time. Yeah, I've been back in New York for ten years. Okay, so, so it might have like, been around yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we were like, much younger than that.
0: <laughs> That's very true. Totally different that's people. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, I followed your career, and mm. so what is your actual title or, or the career you're in because I'm like oh she's a sexologist or she's a, like I'm like I'm not really sure if that's the term but
1: what's the term yeah so I call myself a sexologist okay good um and my background is in sexuality education so I have two master's degrees one is in human sexuality education mm-hmm. so I was trained do like, educational theory and frameworks mm-hmm. to craft curricula and lesson plans for sex education classrooms specifically. Okay. And then my second degree was part of, like, a PhD program, but it's, like, an interdisciplinary degree. It's in women's studies. Okay. So, I, you know, did work around, like, gender, sexuality, um, and not just the theories, but also, like, the practice. So, right. like, how people interact with each other. Right. How they make choices about their partners. Um, and the work that I was working on then looked at how popular culture... Impacted, like heterosexual Latino men from the Spanish-speaking Caribbean, mm-hmm. and having them form their understanding of sexuality and healthy relationships okay. with their partners. Oh, that's So yes, it's a, a, it's a lot, right? right it's now. a lot of different things. But um, what I do now is I write curricula for sexuality classrooms that are inclusive. So what that means is we don't center or imagine that the usual student is a white middle-class child in Michigan, right? But instead, I'm writing curricula for youth who are of color, who are queer, who are working poor, working-class families, who are immigrants, who speak English as, like, their second or third language, so inclusive in that way. Um, So my curricula looks different, right? Right. like, what the federal government approves, right? because I have lesson plans about, like, interacting with the police, so and, you know, how to, like, speak to the police when they target you, because a lot of, like, queer kids of color, their gender expression mm-hmm. is, like, a signal for law enforcement to be like, let me see what those riffraff are oh, up to, wow. you know what I mean? Like, really? So... Why do I sound surprised? I'm not surprised. <laughs> i mean, it's one of those things where, like, of course, I know that happens, right. but we never talk about it in a classroom setting. Oh, no. Um... Or we never have like tools, like th- like lesson plans a parent could do, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so it reaches a bunch of different people, and so that's the kind of work that I do. And then I've started doing sex coaching, which I've always done, but not like for pay, right? <laughs> in like not a more formally. formal setting, yeah. So I have clients who, um, most of them like need help with dating, or like it's something as basic. Well, not basic for me, but not basic for sure. them. As, like, setting up their online profile. Yeah. And well, dating's awful. Figuring out, yes. In New York City, it sucks. But it's it can also be a awful.
0: form of entertainment, right? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how uh, my friends and I used to commiserate over online dating, but but in that, sharing all these stories and, like, having a blast, because it's like, you can't make this shit up.
1: Exactly. Like, people are, it's, people are complicated, and they're funny, and they're people. Mm-hmm. and like everybody has a dating story. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: So I do work like that and oh, there's people who are like, I've never had an orgasm, help me, you know, figure that out. So we might like have an appointment at like a sex toy store where I get forty percent off. Or we might end up giving I might end up giving someone homework right you know, so do coaching like that. Yeah, we'll check in next week and see how it works. That's Um, interesting. So something complimentary to like a therapeutic session. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Okay, wait, so what was I
0: going to say? I was <laughs> going to say something, I was like, oh, no, let her finish. But, of course, now I forgot. This is, like, a trend in uh, in this podcast. It'll be me thinking about what I want to say. Yeah. Maybe I'll edit it out. Maybe I'll, I don't yeah. know.
1: Um, but what did you think sexologists do? Or for my post, what do you think I did?
0: I, I, I got that you worked with curriculum because you, you mentioned a lot about um, how... I don't know if the white supremacists, or, or you use a, a term, I can't remember if that's exactly it, um, how they would rather you instruct or or right. you know create your instruction yeah
1: uh, yeah like i stopped using the term racist and racism i just said white supremacy instead because mm-hmm. that's really what it is mm-hmm. like and that's really where the power is coming from so yeah i'm like in a white supremacist curriculum right y'all don't that's even talk is, about immigration exactly. yeah
0: yeah that's very true yeah. i mean we were talking about it in the car where like one of my first um peaks of interest in like how we are taught differently was in high school when I realized, you know what, I'm sitting in these classrooms and I don't know anything about myself. And I immigrated here when I was one Mm -hmm. from DR. Mm -hmm. And hadn't been back until I was 26. So in that high school stage, I had no... Idea, yeah. what, what, what it even looked like, yeah. Short of like what the culture was like, you know, mm-hmm. or, or short of whatever my cousins had brought back from their visits and what my mother had taught me, which was not much. So, right. you know, there was this disconnect, and I was kind of mad at education, the education system in general, because here I am in this like very eclectic, diverse school mm-hmm. with all these students from Latin uh, and and black and Asian backgrounds, and we know nothing about our own history from right. those classes and that was like aggravating to me um, Yeah. so when I hear when I read your post I'm like mm-hmm. so intrigued and also kind of like I don't know if the word is like bashful about it because mm-hmm. I'm like you're so bold <laughs> and I'm like oh she said that you know, like <laughs> right, ooh right. she's mad yeah, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. or like you know or you have like a very strong opinion I love that Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's very I think self empowered mm-hmm. is that the term mm-hmm. you know you're just like I this needs to be said, you yeah. know, and and it's nothing. I I think there's nothing wrong with it or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it's just like your perspective, and and I think it's so interesting because I have no idea what that side of education looks like. Yeah, yeah. you know, I'm on the other side where Mm -hmm. I'm like oh hey guys you want to come to this school it's great I don't know what or how they do their job you know right I've been a student there and that's like the closest thing to knowing the the meat and potatoes of it but it's so different from an instructor's point of view so Mm -hmm. when you read your post I'm like oh there's something to brew you know there's something going on over there that I, I couldn't possibly imagine
1: yeah I definitely um What's the word I want to use? I don't know, the adjective. Like, I don't... Um, I don't sit on the fence. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I yeah. just... I don't have that luxury. Or I choose not to have that luxury, right? Which is a privilege. Um, <laughs> but also, we like, that... But yeah, I mean... <laughs> like, But it's also, it's a strategic use of my privilege, I should say, right? Because I do have two master's degrees. Mm -hmm. That's access that a lot of other people in our communities don't have, right? right? Um, I went, I had full-ride scholarships. I mean, these, you know, so I have a Mm -hmm. certain level of privilege and power. And the best way for me to use that is to, like, make a decision and stand on the side of justice, which always has consequences. You know what I mean? I mean, I think a lot of people don't. Think about what that could look like. Whereas right. if I'm gonna take a stand and say no to, you know, racist policies and my you know, or working conditions or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like some people are gonna get mad at you. You yeah. might lose your job, you yeah. might be isolated, but right. if you know you're standing on the side of justice, like that's the part of your framework around liberation that right. really is the drive. And right. um, I think some people are just like, Oh, if I'm on the side of justice it'll always be a good ending. It's hard. And it's exhausting. And yeah, you get pissed off. I bet. <laughs> right? so, yeah. Yeah,
0: I totally bet. Yeah. You know, I think about it because and this has come up throughout the podcast now that, you know, I, 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 am not someone who's motivated to march or do things like that kind of protesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was kind of my outlet to add to that conversation and to use the, what I think are some of my own strengths Mm -hmm. and knowing people that are doing wonderful things and hopefully educating in some way, right? Um, But when you say, you know, you're standing on the side of justice by doing X, Y, and Z and like Mm -hmm. being vocal about the injustices that you see, that's another way, obviously, that you don't have to go out and march to make a difference. Right. And that's something I I really want to drive home with this Mm -hmm. podcast is that we all have our strengths Mm -hmm. and they may not be you know, giving the I I have a dream speech. They may be, you know, having conversations with people that are not as educated like Mm -hmm. you are with me. Or, you know, um, or standing up to administration that are being racist or Mm -hmm. that have policies that are outdated or whatever
1: the case may be. Exactly. And I think a lot of people, um, like judge each other because like oh well you weren't on the front lines like in Ferguson or you didn't go down to Orlando with the whole shooting you know it's like a lot of people don't have um, in New York City disposable income (laughs) to buy like organic food let Uh alone a train ticket (laughs) or a plane ticket or like you know what I mean so there's many different ways to be active Uh and to be a part of like a movement you know and everybody has a role to play right so even though Common might be out you know hoofing it in the streets with people right jay and Beyoncé are probably giving out millions of dollars. Of course. You know what I mean? So that's and still you don't a form, really hear about and it. And you don't have to hear about it. Right. You don't have to see it. Right. Um, just like there's going to be people who are writing press releases. Yeah. Or there's going to be people who are going to, you know, offer, like, their law background to, like, mm-hmm. help people with their bail or whatever it is. Right. Like, there's a variety right. of people. Like, there's healers who, you know go and give people foot massages. Right. You know, like, there's so many different things. Yeah. And I think, you know, that idea that, like, oh, to be active, you have to be a protester. It's really ableist in a particular way, too. Oh, that's Uh, right. It's not just classist or elitist. It's ableist. Like, well, people don't have the mobility. Because our society is so fucked up. Right. When it comes, like, accessibility, that's also, like, a problem. Right. having this, like, one idea of what activism looks like. Right. I'm all about challenging
0: that that's great I love that um so let me ask you so Mm -hmm. when so we were talking and and I jump around a lot so excuse me but (laughs) you're talking about um what a sexologist does Mm -hmm. and so you broke down a few of those things um I think and I remember being like I don't know in high school or something and being like I'm gonna be a sexologist so Mm -hmm. obsessed with sex (laughs) I was like a very late bloomer Mm -hmm. and was like obsessed with it and um and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna like, like teach people how to have sex. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, can you do that and disconnect yourself where it's like not you're you're so, uh, what's the word like desensitized, mm-hmm. but from sexual. Um, activities that you can be like okay I'm going to actually instruct you on how to do this I don't know right. what I had I literally never even read up on what it actually what you all do mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. now I need to ask you do you do that is that like a made-up thing oh that's right. real
1: well so some of <laughs> us do it right so it's interesting because there's um in every community there's gonna be contention right so in the sexuality community of course there's contention so people who do, So, first of all, to answer, like, the first part of your question, yes. So, people who have never had a sexual encounter can still be sexologists and support people in, like, issues with their bodies or whatever it might be, like, human sexual response. um, And they can still support those people and provide great care, even though they've never had those experiences themselves Mm -hmm. or have whatever for themselves. Yeah. So, that's one thing. And then, on the other end, you have people who are sex workers, you know? Like, some people... Consider them, like, street prostitutes. Some people might call them escorts who do—I think sex work is caretaking, right? It's a very therapeutic—it's a different therapeutic approach for Uh some people. And then you have people who do, like, body work or who are sex surrogates. And um, sex surrogates became popular in the media probably two years ago. There was that movie, now I can't remember the name, of a disabled man. It was based on a true story of a disabled man. I think he was a quadriplegic who had never had a sexual experience before, and he hired a sex surrogate <clears throat> Excuse me to teach him how his body responds to touch and care. And he was like, I really oh, want to see Oh, that sounds so moving. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, no! <laughs> and there are so many people who do sex surrogacy. Uh-huh. But in the United States, there's only like a handful because we have laws and we have uh-huh. policies. And then we have this like criminalization of prostitution, right. right? So it looks like prostitution. But really, you know, it's the client and the staff. And sometimes it's a couple and a person. I mean, it could be a variety of different situations. But sometimes it's people who are like, I have, you know... Like my you know, I can't maintain an erection. Right. So help me in a particular way, right? right? And that person will help them, right? There might not be any touch involved. I mean, it really depends on what a person needs. But it's very controversial. Even like our membership organizations, you know how doctors are members of the AMA. Yeah. So for us, we have our own membership organization. They will not cover or welcome sex surrogates or sex um, workers into that space. That's interesting. Yeah. So even though they're doing some of, I think, the more radical types of therapy that I would love to hear more about, but because they're so isolated and marginalized and criminalized, people usually favor those folks who are the virgins who like work right. you know who are in a setting like I'm, on, I'm sitting on this couch you're sitting on the chair yeah. I have a notepad. Right. Um so some of us do a variety of those things um, other people are just in the education field of it some people merge in the way that I have with education and the therapy part mm-hmm. um, other people are in policy so a lot of the work around like challenging absence only education and like mm-hmm. President Obama just decided not to give any more federal funds to abstinence-only education. Oh, good. Um, which is what the Bush administration right. had funded for eight years straight. Um, because we have proof that it doesn't work. So that happened because people who are sexologists chose a policy path to like work with politicians and then, and to make that them. change yeah, yeah so yeah so like you can like go all the way up here where the power is in this country and really try to do something different or you can be on the individual level and work directly one on one or with communities so, so you know I always tell people like there's always something for everyone in the sexuality mm-hmm. field um you're not going to probably get super wealthy. Right. (laughs) Right? Like, if you want to make millions, like, it's probably not going to happen here. Right. Especially if you're not, like, an MD doctor. Right. (laughs) But other than that, um, I mean, there's so many different avenues that people have. Like, some people just focus on, like, HIV. Right. You know? And, like, all the advancements. Like, I just think about what HIV was when we were growing up. Like, I grew up in a world without HIV. And then it came really? out. Yeah, like, I'm almost 40. So okay. I remember a world where HIV wasn't here. Wow. Like, I was still an adolescent. I think but... it was in its booming
0: stages when I was four.
1: Yeah. And it was scary. Like, okay. they were really promoting, like, some scary shit. Um, From what I hear. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and look at where we are now, right? Okay. Like, it's... We now have pills that people who are negative can take and still engage... And pleasurable activities with their positive partner, like, right. and not get, tran- yeah, not have transmission of HIV. I, I listened to Dan Savage, mm-hmm.
0: and he, and that's where I learned about that. And I was like, I forget what he called it. It's prep. PrEP. Yeah. And I was, like, that's magical mm-hmm. that you can take something that will block this disease that for so long was like. A death sentence. Right. It was. I, I'm still like right now
1: like floored by the fact that that exists. I know, it's right? Amazing. It's like it's the future. It is, and it's science, right? Yeah. Like, how brilliant we mm-hmm. are. But mm-hmm. also like how I don't know. Just it's also rooted in the pharma pharma of course, cology um, community. So like they're making tons of money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's always complicated. But it's like, hey, if people know their options they're Mm -hmm. going to make the best decisions for them throughout their life it doesn't have to be just just in that moment right and so I'm a huge advocate of like prep I'm an advocate for um, like the HPV vaccine Mm -hmm. which a lot of people are like no I'm not feeling that Mm -hmm. and people are resistant to things and my position is look personally that's one thing but collectively we need to know what's available so that we can make the best decision because some parents will choose the HPV vaccine for their children Mm -hmm. and some won't and that's all right, right, because people just need to know that they can do they it. They Yeah, exactly. They have yeah. the option for it. Yeah, what another thing you mentioned a lot is
0: Latinx. Mm-hmm.
1: Is that how you say it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's so funny because so many people ask me, like, is that how you say it. I'm like, say however you want. Well, it's, how more, are about you like how, <laughs> it's more about like how you're you know, that you're that you know, you're using the term in a way that is inclusive. So, I like Latinx. I think people. So here's the thing, you I and I right, in New West. York, right? We're on the East Coast, right? <laughs> yeah. You did. It's fine. But, like, if we're having this conversation, like, in the Caribbean, uh-huh. the dialect and the accent is different. So uh-huh. it's gonna sound different anyways, right. right? Like, when I go back to Puerto Rico, they say my name differently. Oh, yeah. If I go to England, they say my name very differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it doesn't, so to me, it doesn't matter how people pronounce it. Right. It's the okay. fact that you're using it, and you right. know it exists. Right. Like that's music. Well, then what does it mean? So, <laughs> I
0: mean, I, I have an idea of it, but yeah. I wanted to ask
1: you that. So, I I think if people understand what Latino means, um, and I'm just gonna assume that your listeners do, like people who share particular experience um, and geographic location, um, Latinx and using the X, for us, it was about being inclusive, right? So there were people in the community, um, so I identify as a cisgendered. Queer, woman of color, so cisgender meaning that my sex that was assigned to me at birth, which was female, matches the way that I moved through the world, right. As a woman, right? right. So this this woman. So for me, like, it makes sense to be called a Latina, like, I never Afro Latina, like, I never, yeah, that's what I yeah. 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 Um, But for other people who struggle or had a different experience coming into their gendered identity, um, they were like, I'm not. Oh, or a, or both, right? Or yeah, like yeah. I'm not in this binary, and language is so restrictive and limited mm. that I just don't fit into these labels, and I want to, right? So it was really this um, liberatory approach for many people who either wanted to be a part of a community, or even the ones who didn't, right? Mm-hmm. Like people are drawn to Latinx in a variety of different ways. Um, so it was inclusive around gender it was also inclusive around sexual orientation right so it's like a queering of the language mm-hmm. which I love I love any fucking with the language <laughs> yeah. I love it I love slang I, I mean yeah. I love the fact that like language is alive yes. because it's
0: always changing It's
1: right like it's something new yeah. and even when I feel like I have nothing more to learn right a young, I hear you in person say something and I'm like what does that mean right. I have a new word to think about that's true um, so that's why like Latinx a lot of people are not not a lot there's a segment of people who are like not in favor of it I don't care yeah you know, I mean that, you know I just don't. Right, what what is what, what is their opposition to it so what are resisting right there's a variety of things that people resist and so one thing is language like people are really hung up on like like historically preserving the way that a language has always been spoken and it's like okay homies but like the spanish they speak in barcelona is not the, is not the spanish that we speak anywhere else in nope. the world right Nowhere. so it's art but like people think it's still a bastardization of the language wow. right and so they, some people are on like that tip Think of people who are like no i'm on this indigenous tip like we should just, you know, connect back to our indigenous roots and just use this label and blah blah blah. And I'm like, look, homie, I'm more black than I am indigenous these days. Right. Or, or like my whole life, actually. Right. <laughs> like I walk down the street and people don't look at me and think I'm native or indigenous. Right. They see my blackness. Right. And they're like, what the fuck are you? Right. Because right. they want to put me somewhere. Yeah. And that's like, about oh, you're mixed, blackness. right? Or something right. Like that. And that's I about that. blackness. It's not about indigenous identity. Right. Like. Let's yeah. be real. Yeah, like, so, no, it's true. Um, I don't think they ever go back that far. Exactly. I mean, people don't even consider not to dismiss it, it but yeah. right. And that's the thing that I think some other people are arguing. Like that's why we need to embrace it. Blah blah. blah. And it's like, that's look, fair. That's... Yeah. That's but that's like your journey, right? Like, right. And that, that's your and personal. That's, you get to do that, right? <laughs> um, so there's that camp of people who are like more on, like the indigenous tip, and then you have people who are just like you know it's not and this, and I totally understand this approach where people are like why are we using language that just pushes us further and further apart from each other right so us having a conversation about Latinx at like a Latino event people might be like what the fuck are they talking about mm-hmm. like let them talk over there about their thing and mm-hmm. let me not go over and interrupt or whatever right um So even though I make this argument for like inclusivity using language, some people think that it pushes us farther away from each other. And I totally get that because my mom had Alzheimer's. Mm. And so, you know, all this new language coming up, I love it. It makes me feel alive. But I couldn't speak to her about it because she was like, what the fuck does that mean? not familiar at all. Like, she's just... And she can't remember the thing that I told her an hour ago or five minutes ago. Let alone
0: means new... Right. So
1: it's like, okay, I I can't use the new language that I love and adore to speak to my mother who's ill and blah, blah. blah. I have to use the old school language that she remembers, that she knows and that hasn't left her yet. Right. So I totally get get that. Um, I still use it. I mean, you know, like, it's... Because I know, like, the spirit of my mother. She would be like, that's... Okay, great. She would have wanted to know that, too. Right. And she just doesn't know that about herself because she's ill, right? right? So, like, that was... But, so I get it. Right. Like, I get that whole memory thing. Right. Um, but I also think, you know... we have to grow and change. Right? We grow and change. And being <laughs> inclusive is hard. And if we can find ways to be more so of that and be guided by the people who are saying, look, I'm the most severely impacted or Mm -hmm. oppressed from these things that we're doing. This is one way that you can help me feel a part of this. Right. Like, it's not hurting me to do that. Right. You know? Historically,
0: (laughs) we're so... uh, We've been so divisive, right? Mm -hmm. People have always segregation there's always been separation of people Mm -hmm. and language is no different so in using these new terms to bring people together i think hopefully it will evolve to or it shows how we're evolving in some way or at least some people Mm -hmm. uh toward a toward a hopefully a generation of people that recognize that there is that inclusivity in language and in being a human being mm-hmm. hopefully yes <laughs> I mean, right? Mark, like, one would hope one, like, yeah. and that's, that's, and that's the hope. thing
1: right like so it's a part of like this hope is a very like ethereal thing mm-hmm. you know like you can't feel it you can't touch it but you it's in you know you. it's like the yeah. essence yeah and it's yeah. like i don't want to question that like that's almost like a life source you know like, <laughs> exactly question that let's like, yeah. let that be
0: and grow right like, yeah well yeah. where do you stand on feminism Like, what is that to you?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. I have a degree in women's studies. Yeah. I was trained by some, like, old-school feminists, like, second wave, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're thinking about, like, what the fuck is a second wave, um, the first wave in the U.S. would be considered women from, like, like suffragists. Suffragists, Right, like, 1800s, early 1900s. And then second wave would have been, like, 40s, 60s, right? And then third wave would have been, like, my generation, like, 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I don't know what they're calling all the other generations. I mean, because I, <laughs> I feel like, this. right, because like, in the third generation, I was like, fuck the waves. You right. know, like, I don't I'm care. I'm doing whatever works with me right. for me, yeah. And so I was trained by a lot of second wave feminists, right? So, like, Gloria Steinem's second mm-hmm. wave, Bell Hook's is second wave, mm-hmm. right? so, like, all these names, Michelle yeah. Collins, Gloria Anzaldua, all second wave, um you know, third wave people, people my age would be folks like Jessica Johnson who is like a queer Afro-Latina historian. Um, Moya Bailey who coined like Massage Noir, that's all in the community Mm -hmm. now. Um, So like that's like a considered third wave point. Right. But um, it's interesting. So for me, when people ask me if I'm a feminist, I'm not anti-feminist. Like as a label I think it's useful. You can find people who have a similar belief system as you do but feminism for me hasn't been great you know like feminism has fucked me up too mm. <laughs> How so? um well like the the white supremacy of okay. feminism that's um, something that I've seen
0: kind of blo- I don't know if it's blown up but it's yeah. blossoming for sure recently yes. I've seen that come up a lot where it's like why why feminism needs to be challenged by Mm -hmm. people of color because it's really
1: not indicative indicative of the struggles that we face yeah and i mean that's been like the that's the legacy of feminism right it's like black and latina and asian and native um women have been challenging the white supremacy of white women pushing feminism right so for them being like we should get equal pay which is the same argument that people make today right but their big thing in the 60s, equal pay, equal pay. And black women were like, we can't even get a job. Right. Because we weren't able to go to school, so half of us can't even read past, like, oh a ninth grade reading level. Right? Wow. And so that's, like, I the white supremacy. Yeah. 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 And it's, like, you're pushing your own issue. Right. You're not pushing ours, right? So then, it, so then it shifts to, like, for example, like, a Hillary Clinton, yeah. right? Like, oh, glass ceiling, like, glass ceiling, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Okay, but what happens to that glass when the ceiling's broken? hmm Gravity, right? So it falls. Mm-hmm. Like, that glass falls. Right. And it impacts other people. Right. And who's at the bottom? Who receives that impact, right? right. Like, it's not always going to be a bunch of other white women. It might be working class, working poor white ones, mm-hmm. disabled ones, mm-hmm. like queer ones. Um, but it's also going to land on, like, other women of color from a variety of different paths. And that's something that we don't ever consider because we're always focusing on, like, oh, the first – or the one who did X, Y, and Z. Right. And it's like, there's an impact of how it affects other people, but with, other women, so...
0: Do you think that, I feel like some people might argue that she, by breaking that ceiling, she's helping, or mm-hmm. people in that position would be helping others mm-hmm. to then not have that ceiling? Or do you think it's like we each have our own
1: individual ceilings? Right. So like, I think... I know, right? You it's know what I mean? Yeah, tell what mean. Um... <laughs> Yeah, because you know, if we're thinking about Hillary Clinton breaking the ceiling for like become the president of the United States, um, she hasn't been the first person trying to ban on that ceiling. Right. So other people have made cracks, sure. right? Like so Cynthia McKinney, who was on the ballot against Obama under his first, mm-hmm. you know, Cynthia McKinney, Rosa Clemente. Two black women were on the ballot I had no with idea. Obama, right? Nope. <laughs> and they were for like the Green Party. Mm. Um, last term, uh, last election was Peter Lindsay, a young black feminist, and she had like a dreamer as her VP, right, mm. for the Socialist Party. So you know Shirley Chisholm. I mean, there's a variety of other women, black women, women mm. of color, who have been banging on that ceiling and creating those cracks. So for when Hillary Clinton comes with a bigger, more powerful, like hammer right. it's easier for her to bang it out right. because other people have made those cracks.
0: Right. Right. And like so, will she will she share that victory with those right. women? How big will she make that open? Or will she just be like, Or will oh, it just be this. for her and her home girls? Right. right. We Which, did
1: this. Yeah. Which is is the problem right? So I'm things grimacing like right. I mean, things. you see it right. You see <laughs> yeah, like, it. Ugh. I mean, and you see it in so many different ways. Like you and I had talked online about like Lena Dunham. Oh my god, and the bullshit so. that she brings up. Right, like that's the perfect example of white feminism. Oh. Right, where she creates the story about herself and makes this black man the target who probably doesn't even know who the fuck she is. Months later, and it's like. Nobody fucking cares about you Nobody's talking about you, right like, Oh my god But so, that's white feminism <laughs> In a nutshell, Lena Dunham So, uh,
0: <laughs> yes, that, thank you That brings me to this. Okay, so <laughs> my, poor boy, my poor boyfriend mm-hmm. um, We went to college together mm-hmm. And we, you know, we were friends And, and we stayed in touch on social mm-hmm. media And so this was, you know, we graduated in 07 It's been like, almost 10 years mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> he came back into my life. We came into each other's lives mm-hmm. again, you know, about a year ago. And um, I have been on this kick about social justice yeah. and racism and, and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm learning about the, the white supremacy mm-hmm. in feminism and in all of these things, mm-hmm. right? And, and every time I learn something new I'm outraged right and I'm like banging and, and making a fuss and, yeah. and not really but you know yeah, figuratively. Yeah. And, and he's right there with me and he's so supportive and he's so good and he's so like down right mm-hmm. um, but I feel so bad for him because he's like oh let's watch this movie and it's like um, train wreck with what's her face mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm like ah, oh, you know I can't do it can't, something about her just rubs me the wrong way mm-hmm. and it's I have to I feel like I have to say it's not a racist thing because I'm not like it's not about her being a white woman. Mm-hmm. There's just something about her act that seems like over the top mm-hmm. like I'm all down for raunchy comedy. don't yeah. get me wrong but something about the way that what is her name? I don't know what's her face with the big face? What is her name? Oh my god, that's mean.
1: Uh, <laughs> Let's look it up on our phones. It's, <sighs> we keep talking.
0: Anyway, I'll so she. <laughs> <laughs> Train, wreck. Um, Train wreck. So yeah. she,
1: she has this raunchy,
0: you know, rapport, whatever.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I used to listen to like Lisa Lampanelli, and you know, I'm, I'm I love stand up comedy, but for some reason, all of them now. Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Yeah. And and all of them like just rub me the wrong way. I'm like, it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. It's not even funny. And I right. don't know why all of a sudden it's like it like just just right. irritates me. Mm-hmm. And then the Lena Dunham thing, like I loved Sex in the City, all white women, right? right. I'm like, but I still loved it, but I loved girlfriends. Yeah. 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 Um and then girls came out and I was like oh that's gonna be so fun and right. young and hip and like more of more of like what's happening in my life and mm-hmm. whatever Because like I don't have like Prada money but like right. okay maybe I'll be like poor with them like right. something that I actually in college really wanted to flesh out because mm-hmm. I worked um, with like dramatic writing and stuff like that so I was like oh that would be so great to write about these struggles that mm-hmm. we face as people of color mm-hmm. in our 20s mm-hmm. or I never really, really thought about it about being a person of color just like mm-hmm. what you go through after college like where do right. you go from there kind of thing right. um and I hadn't really seen much of that so this show I was like oh it's gonna be great whatever and I saw a couple episodes and I was like oh my god I'm so annoyed I'm so annoyed yeah and then recently boyfriend's watching it mm-hmm. I'm watching it with him this is one episode where like this dude helps Lena Dunham out and she like gets in the car with him and then she's like guess I should give you some head because that made sense to her to right. like thank him, and I was like, "Why? Like it's just it just seemed like a way to be like outlandish or to like show how like broken she is and all this like nonsense." Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my rant. Yes. But. She bothers
1: me. <laughs> she does. And, you know, it's funny because you're like, it's not about race. It's not... I think it's not just about race because, I, you know, my perspective is it is partly about race, right? But it's also about gender and it's also about power and access mm-hmm. um, because all those things combined allow them to do that shit, right? right. And allow them to get away with it and make yeah. money out of it, yeah. out of it, right? And uh-huh. win awards for it. Whereas, you know, if we think about, like, I can't think of anything that living single one. Oh my god, that was a great awards, show. Right? And that was before I mean, I really, Sex in the City, right? Nice. And they like four black women living together. In the city, yeah. Right? Um, you know, you don't see like that kind of resurrection in the same way with like Sex in the City. Like nobody's making a living single film. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I would totally go and see that shit. Oh my god, I would too. <laughs> right? Let's get them a GoFundMe. <laughs> Please, no, Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yes. Oh man. So there's that. that. Um, Trying to think of what else. You had mentioned... Oh, Amy Schumer and this other broad... Girlfriends. Uh, Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I mean, no. Like, I think that it's really connected um, to all of those things about who they are, which is why they write the characters the way that they do. I have so many friends who are like, oh, Bianca, you should watch the show Broad City. And I'm like, okay, well, how many people of color are in it? Because, you know, I don't... There's like two. Right. Well, that's the thing, right? I'm just like, if I have, you know, (laughs) I live in New York City, first of all. Right. You know what it looks like. Yes. Like it's fine but also like if I have like downtime for entertainment I want to be able to turn my like social justice radar off and not have to get all upper arms or feel some kind of way like I want to be able to laugh and enjoy myself and feel good and whatever um and I can't do that if I'm sitting in a movie and I'm watching stuff go down like I walked out of what was the movie I walked out of recently Pete's Dragon, because it was it was when we had like ninety-nine thousand degree weather. I went into the movie theater, we paid you know, we paid for a ticket. It's literally. cartoon. Yes. Yeah, a yeah, cartoon. yeah, okay, yeah. It's not really a cartoon, but it's based off of the cartoon story. Okay. But they made it into people with like this dragon. Oh right? okay. okay. one of those uh,
0: live action. Yeah, whatever
1: you call it. Um and then you know, we just hopped from different theaters, right, all day, because it was so fucking hot and there was air conditioning and food so theater. Um yeah. But we walked out of peace Dragon. One, is it's a whack story. But two, it was, like, so obvious the way that they were treating this child. So, you know, this kid gets lost in the forest. His parents are dead. Some dragon raises him, right? Sure. So he's found, like, he's five tar- years later. He's Tarzan in dragon Land. Exactly. Okay. So he's raised by this dragon. And so he looks scruffy and, like, you know, unwashed youth. Yeah. Um, And so it's just so obvious how they were trying to socialize this young boy in these very gendered ways mm. that were also very much rooted in, you know, white supremacy. So, like, teaching him, this is how you speak to those kind of people mm. and this is how you speak to these kind of people. Oh, this is how you speak no. to us. Right? Like, it was just so obvious. Oh, no. And they did the same thing with young girls, too, in the in the film. And I was like, I can't see here and watch this bullshit. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, I was like, I can like, I want to enjoy the air conditioning. And, you know, like, I can, I can do that with Star Trek. <laughs> right. Right. I can't do it with this one. That's true. So I forgot where we were next. But, um, you know, so stuff like that, I just... Oh, we went to see, um The Secret Life of Pets. That, to me, was a great film. Takes place in New York City. You know what I mean? Like, that was entertaining. And I had a good time. And it was funny, yeah. right? Like, that's what I like to do with my spare time. I don't want to watch Broad City. <laughs> Broad City, but- funny <laughs> so you say that because
0: that was another one of those shows that I was like, oh, New York City, young people, let me give it a chance, whatever. Right. <laughs> And I I watched, I don't know if it was more than one, but I watched an episode at least. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of like, I get where they're going. No, I watched a couple episodes. I think I may have even seen the part, like most of the first season. Mm -hmm. uh, Like on Hulu or something. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like... It just doesn't ring true to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem honest to me, mm-hmm. and I don't. And perhaps it's because of the perspective. Like it's mm-hmm. just not my story, right, right? By any way, like there's just no. I have no connection to them, right, right? And something about those actresses also that makes me feel like they're they're glorified. I don't know if that's if this really kind of speaks true to that, but I feel as though. It's common now to glorify being poor while having so much access to things that poor people do not have access to. Mm-hmm. And they put this on TV and confuse the hell out of me. Does yeah. that make sense? Heck yeah. You see it everywhere. Like, New Girl. You see, I mean. Yeah, New Girl. Yeah, they all live live together in this, like, gorgeous, gorgeous loft. loft. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which, like, yeah, it happens. But, you know, they're each still paying $2,000 rent. Mm-hmm.
1: For a room, for a room, and a shared bathroom and a kitchen. Yeah, with no like washer dryer. No, it's or bananas. central air. Right, <laughs> and that's the thing is like who has two thousand dollars to pay for rent? Because I know we I don't, don't. But that's <laughs> the kind of yeah. poor that they project, which right. I'm like, I didn't come up in that. Right, and it's it's the it's like the poor is that you have to live in an apartment, not that you do Right, in a house. right, and it's like that's that's how the city is though. You know, like, yeah, there's houses in certain boroughs and parts of the city, but they're not the houses that you see in, like, Maryland or Delaware or Michigan or California. Like, it's a different life, I don't want to say lifestyle, but it's a different way of living in the city. And I think, you know, I've I've been unemployed, I've been broke, I've been on Medicaid, I got food stamps. Like, that has been my life over the last 10 years. In New York City, it's a hard place to live. It's a hard, I mean, it's exhausting to live in New York City. (laughs) Listen, you know, having this conversation
0: makes me feel like I really do need to start right because I need to go back to that because I'm like, maybe that would make more sense to me. Maybe if they were telling stories about how, you know, we had to be in that Medicaid office. You ever been to, well, obviously, um, or, or the food stamp office, it's a miserable experience. And I don't see none of them in those offices. Mm -mm. I don't see any of them ever having to deal with the other miserable person who's also poor, but has to manage your case or whatever it is that they do. Right. And is miserable about their job. Right. It's like dealing with the DMV. Right. Whole nother thing. That you hear jokes about all the time. You never mm-hmm. see people showcasing what that's like. Because right. then if you're talking about that, then I can be like, oh my god, I can relate. I've been there. I know what that's like. Right. Exactly. But their
1: kind of port is not my kind of port. Right. Their kind of port is, oh man, I shit. feel so ashamed. I have to ask my parents to borrow some money. Right. You it's can like, ask no, your parents to borrow money. I want to see a show where like these white kids wake up. Mm -hmm. at 6am struggle with how they want to look and what clothes they want to wear because because they have to stay in line at the fucking hospital that's where the closest Medicaid office is Mm -hmm. for six hours all day long I want to know what book they choose to read you know what I mean what crossword puzzles are they going to do how are they going to charge their phone Mm -hmm. because that's really at the end of the day what happens and then how is that Worker talking with them, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the other thing. Maybe that worker isn't going to be talking to them the way the way, same way that they be talking to us. And the reality is, so many more white people in this country are on Medicaid, right? And public assistance right. than people of color. But it's probably like, oh, they're down on their luck, let's do something to help them.
0: Versus if <laughs> right. we show up and it's like, oh, this bum, this you know, person who doesn't want to work for right. a living or whatever, and you're exactly. like, exactly, what the fuck, <laughs> exactly. But I think exactly. that. It's hard to bring these things up and talk to people about it because it makes people uncomfortable. Right. And you don't want... I. Here's the thing. I talk, talked to someone else about this, and I was like, I don't like making people uncomfortable. Right. I don't like making people feel guilty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You didn't do anything to... You didn't do anything to me, or right. hopefully you didn't do anything to anyone right, right. to feel guilty about. But this is the climate that we're living in mm-hmm. you know i mean that's the, the kind of thing that we're dealing with where right. you know it would be a double standard for someone who is white to go into an office and not saying that this is happening everywhere because i'm sure that in some areas there are other maybe more privileged white people in those offices mm-hmm. looking at those poorer white people in the same yeah. way right but there is i think that discrepancy because poorness i think kind of sometimes balances the whole um maybe balances the whole discrepancy of where race comes in Mm -hmm. like I think that things are in some instances pretty bad for people who are poor white Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: maybe even just as bad as people who are poor and of color right are there more opportunities for them possibly Mm -hmm. but if they can get to those opportunities which is another thing I'm thinking rural America right yeah They have to drive everywhere, right?
1: Yeah. And I'm thinking also, like, yeah, so, like, the social capital, I think, for poor, like, working poor white people is their whiteness. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that keeps them alive. That's the one thing, you know what I mean? Like, in that, like, across the board, right? Whereas if you have someone, for example, who is a person of color, who, maybe someone like me who went to college, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, people who are working poor white people probably won't have those opportunities in the same capacity, um, at the same time, though, like my social capital isn't my skin color necessarily, or my cultural background, the fact that I'm like speak multiple languages, it's the fact that I'm educated, right? So everything else about me, I <laughs> so right? Like so, everything else about me doesn't allow me to necessarily get into a particular space because if it does, oh well, then I'm like I'm an aff- affirmative action child, right? Right. Well, we know affirmative action already really helps white women across the board for decades. So... Yes. And, you know, and it's also interesting to see how, like, whiteness and um, this class argument has just been completely erased, right? Like, we never hear working-class white people on the radio, on TV, during the news hours. And if we do, it's to make fun of them, right? Or if it's because there was a mining collapse you know, miners are. Caught underground, right? Mm Because they're doing some really dangerous work, right? And that's when we start to see these people who are traumatized, who are like scared shitless for their family members. I mean, that's the worst time to see a community that we never get to see or engage with, and that's not fair either, Mm -hmm. right? So we're getting these really like one-dimensional stories of people who are, like, on the margins in a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. And what I always think is fascinating is that it's white, working-class women who have been considered, it, through research, we found that it's white, working-class women who are, like, the race traders, right? Which means, like, they're the ones who will speak up against, like, anti-black racism, mm-hmm. or they're the ones who will speak up around, like, sexism and misogyny. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the ones who are going to be having, like, the multiracial mixed race babies Mm -hmm. right because they see the similarities in the struggle right and they're making a different choice whereas working class white men have different points of view decisions because their masculinity gives them another level of like social capital you know and it's I love that term yeah I mean it's a really useful term to like think about class right (laughs) it's not always about money there's other things that get you in the door right absolutely Um, yeah which is why networking is so important if you know one right person that can get you in the door too that's right? very true absolutely yeah it's funny what do I want to say about that hold on
0: social capital oh last night yes uh, so SNL hires a Latina mm-hmm. I don't know if this was last night but this is when I noticed it yes yeah, um true. True. hires a Latina I cannot remember her name at the moment but um, so she'll be on the new cast which is really exciting because for 41 years that it's existed they've never considered that or at least haven't hired one Um, and they've had a couple of uh, Latin men over the years Mm -hmm. Um, so I was I follow Amy Poehler's uh, page for her like girl power page I can't Mm -hmm. remember what it's called either but So I followed that, and I saw that they posted the article, and I was like, oh, that's so exciting, that's great, whatever. And I'm reading through the comments, just as I do sometimes, to be to see, oh, people are being supportive, or if they're mm-hmm. questioning it, or like, why? What's happening? Right. So someone says, Ugh, I hate that this is always about race. Um, I, I don't care what color they are, I just want them to be funny. Mm-hmm. So that, like... Hit me in the gut, right? Yeah, I yeah. was like, oh, no, you don't right. get it. You right. <laughs> don't, right. just shut up. At this point, I'm like, just shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. So I take a minute to think it right. over, <laughs> and I still feel my blood boiling. So I was like, I got to say something. Yeah. But, like, I didn't want to reply to the one person. Right, so I just right. wrote, you know, I realize that people keep saying this one thing, mm-hmm. And it seems to me that the people that say this are the same people who are not affected by this discrimination. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get it to the point where we don't hear from them anymore. Right. Because you're not... What is the point of that comment? Mm-hmm. You just want You just want to hear from people that are funny. It doesn't matter right. what color, fine. So you're stating that you're not racist, and that's why mm-hmm. what? Right. That's why what? What is the point of this comment? So right. I was just like... I'm going to put this out there. I said it very nicely. Mm-hmm. wasn't attacking anyone, right, right. as I like to be a little bit more on the fence than you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even that's changing a lot. Um, and of course, you get people who, thankfully, we're not, like, nasty, but you could tell we're, like, offended. Yeah, yeah. Like, why do you have to be negative? I was like, well, I'm not being negative. I'm pointing out that, it's unnecessary. You're not mm-hmm. adding to the conversation. You're not right. supporting this change mm-hmm. because it doesn't affect you. Right. And because you don't care. Right. So then if you don't care, then don't say anything. Just shut right. up. <laughs> right, right, right. It, support her at least for being a woman right. or for, I don't know, for something. Or yeah. Or just, hey, that's another human being who has a job. Who cares? Right. But no, you have to, like, make it about you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we get into this whole conversation and, and this guy keeps coming back to me and he's like, you know, that I'm being disingenuous by saying something that sounds like it should be a positive, but it's really a negative and all this stuff. Right. And I was like, you're clearly offended by what I said because it touches on a nerve of right. yours. That's about you. That right. has nothing to do with me. Yeah. I'm stating a fact. Mm-hmm. If You don't, or maybe not a fact, but my opinion mm-hmm. is that your opinion is silly. Right. <laughs> and just as you have a right to think that mine is silly i have a right to think that yours is right that's yeah. it period right thankfully more people were like pro this comment yeah, than not, yeah. not but yeah. i'm like this is what happens you get people who get so riled up and they want to have these like arguments and i'm like listen i'm not arguing with you mm-hmm. just so that we're clear you can't hear me right. but i'm like answering your questions right. or like your rebuttals mm-hmm. um but it doesn't matter the point is that we would, be in a, we would live in a better world if people didn't have to have an opinion about every fucking little thing right. that didn't affect them. It doesn't affect you. He's like, oh, but you're saying that if a person is not of that same color, then they shouldn't have an opinion on the matter. I'm like, no, I'm saying that if they don't have something positive to add to it and it
1: doesn't affect them, then they should not add to it. Right. They're taking up space. They're taking up space. Right. It's good like, away You've always been represented, right? So you saying I don't like this other? I feel some kind of way about these people being represented, right? And it doesn't impact you because versus, you're always been represented, right? Versus being like, oh, let me see what this new cast member can teach me, or what can I, what assumptions might be challenged, right? How funny might I find this person? Right? Like, come on. No. How many Latina comedians can that person name? Right. How many white women comedians can they name? Right. right and there you have it
0: right so even if really, you just have one on the top of your head that's more than the exactly none I can think of right oh Rosie Perez, is she a comedian no
1: no she's not a stand-up comedian she's not an actress yeah I don't know right like it's yeah it's a lot I mean and it's about representation you know and and challenging like the single story as you know Beyonce samples that um TED Talk by Chiamanda, uh-huh. right? And so, you know, like... a single story? What the, is um, the danger of a single story. So Chiamanda, she wrote um, Adichie. She wrote Americana. She wrote... She's a Nigerian. You know, she's in that Beyoncé song. She sampled her. Yes, I remember yeah. the poem. Okay, so it's her. Yeah. It's, not, it's a TED Talk. You oh. can find it, like, in full if oh, you want to, like to listen to it. Yeah. But, um, you know, her whole argument is it's dangerous when we have just one story about a community and she talked about her own experience where she thought that um i can't remember the details exactly but like being from the u.s meant that you ate this you look like that mm. and you listen to this type of stuff and then she's like and then when i met pe- people from the u.s and i realized oh wow they're not like that. they're not all just eating hot dogs i just had yeah i had a <laughs> like, single story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or I, she actually talks about a single story for her for herself and others, right? But, um, but you know, and what do you learn when you start to challenge that single story? And you're like, oh, not all white people are the same. Mm-hmm. Not all black people are the same. Not blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. It's, there's more complexities. And that's important because then you get to hear more stories and more stories complicate people's experiences. Right. It doesn't limit them. It doesn't, like, erase people. And I think that's the thing that some white people are afraid of, mm-hmm. right? So when you say things like, hopefully European, you know, Your commentary doesn't need to exist because it doesn't impact you directly. They feel some kind of way. It's like, but I have a right. I have a right to say. But why are you taking that away from me? Right, that right there. I think you got the power to do that. (laughs) Look at how powerful that those people thought you were. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's funny. They're scared. Like, and all you had to do was say, "I think this." Right. And they like went off right that's white supremacy like to me that's white supremacy yeah entitled, Like, how, yeah, how right? dare you yeah, yeah. and it's I entitlement have the right based to say on the- this no right. man, you don't it's like you know we should be asking the question of why did it take so long to get here yeah and maybe if we wanted to be assholes about it too or not even assholes but like more detailed about it like why does this latina why is she the safe passing latina right, right? she looks like a lot of the white women with dark hair yeah. and features that Let's they've already have. hired, yeah, this, right? Yeah. Like, why is no? But like, why didn't any of Leslie Jones's co-hosts, who are all white comedians or co-hosts, um, co, whatever cast, yeah, members, cast members, come and support her during that Twitter bullshit? Did they not? Had nothing to say? Really? They haven't said anything about. Wow, that's yeah. that's hurtful. It is right, and she's the that's only black really character in a movie that has like. A, Consistent speaking role, and for those other three white women to be silent—that's what fascinates me—is how people use silence too, right? Oh. Like, sounds like so heartbreaking. It breaks my heart for her. I
0: feel like she's had such a rough time by just existing and being mm-hmm. successful in some way. And that's not right. to say that she's like she's. Still coming up, right. you know, but
1: for them to be like trying to cut her at the knees, right? That's awful. Like, where are her SNL cast members right. who are coming to support her? Right. The white it's ones because those are the only other ones left, right. right? Like, come on.
0: Yeah, Jay Farrell's no longer on there keynote. I mean, nobody still, was yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody, everybody was silent <laughs> about it. And that's the thing that I'm just like, look, y'all, y'all aren't paying attention to like the larger issue. Y'all yeah. just want to focus on this one person, but if you step back. And you see, oh shit! Like this is yeah, a really bigger alone. issue, yeah. right? And like this oh, one woman awesome. over here. I mean, you know, it also is perpetuating stereotypes of what Latinos look like. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. But you know, like that's a whole different. That's a that's um, more of an insider conversation. There's right? another like, black woman on this, and so no, I can't remember her name right now. Well, it
0: was Leslie. Um, it was Leslie. Leslie Jones is one. I can't remember there's the another one. one. She's got a, a much more ethnic name, but I can't remember her name right now.
1: Anyway, but yeah, I mean,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's really powerful. I didn't really think about it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. That she really, in the in that situation, is a perfect example of how saying nothing is so telling. Of. Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily their stance on it, but that they're not willing to take a hit for her in that right. way. You know, in for like for justice, right? Because it was not fair. Because none right. of them got any of that for mm-hmm. being white ever at
1: all. Mm mm. Mm mm. Right. So and that's part of the social capital, right? Like yeah. they get to be protected in a particular way. Right. Um because if one of them were targeted, what would have happened, right? right? Everybody like, would have been like, what? It might have been a different response. Yeah, she it probably, probably would, have would have been
0: like, you all are crazy for right. this, right Exactly. You know?
1: exactly. Nobody insane. would be sending them pictures of, I can't even think of a white animal right now. But nobody would be sending <laughs> them pictures, yeah, of like polar bears being like, this is what you look like. <laughs> but they did that with apes. You know what I mean? Like, right. like nobody's doing that shit and even that like white people will not get offended about being called a polar bear no they'll be like oh, it's yeah, not the same it's the cutest bear right it. like it's not the same as being called a monkey or an ape or like whatever other right. animal that we've been associated with right historically so like so this is something that you
0: say that we've been associated with I'm transitioning a little bit because I keep meaning to come to this and okay. then we keep going on to another and I'm like oh yeah it's good oh wait but I really want to talk about this so um and this has come up again but um so I'm Dominican, and in college I learned about what it meant to be Afro Latina, mm-hmm. and or Latinas. Mm-hmm. Was that a thing now? Afro I, Yeah, I, I know. He, yes,
1: for sure. I'm all about people like using the really, X in yeah. the African part of us. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: Um, so, but I never took to using that term mm-hmm. to describe. it, Oh, well, I guess I don't really describe myself very often. But uh, I never really took to to describe mm-hmm. myself in that way. But. More and more recently, again, as I feel I've had more time or more energy to really think about these things, mm-hmm. I like I definitely do identify that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because of obviously my complexion, but my hair, and there's just like things that it's just unavoidable. You yeah. can't you can't how else would you categorize mm-hmm, me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where I have gotten like, oh, you're mixed, you're half black or half white, or you're yeah. Middle Eastern, or you're this or you're that, and I'm like, oh, if my hair's straight, I'm Middle Eastern. But right. if it's curly, then I definitely have black in me, is, what the, <laughs> is the consensus, right, I think. Right. Um, and so, I find it really kind of interesting trying to, with when it comes to identity, trying to figure out how to identify, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I, I identify as a Dominican woman, right? right. But I relate so much with the issues in the black community growing up in similar, you know, situations or similar, um, not settings, but but like uh, Like upbringings, I guess, right? Um, But I also find, so this is why it's complex, right? So I also find that when I have discussed this with people that are not Latino mm-hmm. or Latina or Latinx mm-hmm. um, or when I'm discussing this with black people mm-hmm. I feel like there's this like but you're not one of us mm-hmm. or in, even when I haven't discussed it but topics have right. come up of the light you know mm-hmm. it's like but you're not one I really feel very, like, this push mm-hmm. against it so I'm like okay so I, I'm not I know I'm not black mm-hmm. you know what I mean right, right. Um, but what is the identifier there like how right. do you, how does one come to a consensus with all these different factors. Right,
1: right. It's interesting. Um, I think everybody has, like, their own journey. And so, you know, I started the Latin Negros Project six years ago now, um, really just to increase representation of Black identity Latinos. Outside of entertainers and athletes. Right. Um, Online, because, you know, when you have, like, Black History Month, Latino Heritage Month, in schools, people pull out, like you said, the same three people. Right. So for Hispanic Heritage Month, you see Celia Cruz, or you see Roberto Clemente. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Right? Maybe Arturo Schomburg, since we're in New York City. But that's it. Right? You don't see anybody else. And it's like we're so much more complicated Mm -hmm. than just you know, entertainers. Right. Um, but not only that, but like those two people also had a significant connection to like liberation mm-hmm. and freedom and supporting the communities right. in black populations too, right? right? So, but they were also very visibly black people mm-hmm. without a question, right? right? So there's that. And then you have people like us who are significantly lighter mm-hmm. than those two people, right. um, but also have very shared um, experiences and we're treated like we're black people, anyways, right? right? But at the same time, exactly for me, like so, I grew up in a very anti-black family. That mm. right now is like, no, we weren't. I'm like, yes, you were. Same. <laughs> like, and it's okay to same. be like, okay, I was like that 25 right. years ago, and I've learned to be a different person. That's different. Like, that's okay, right? Right, but like to ignore the reality is really tra- trauma, another form of trauma, right? Um, and so for me, coming into my blackness was more connected to that that was just my reality like I don't like anybody in my family Mm. at all like I'm like the throwback like, my parents passed, my mom specifically passes for white. Oh, she wow. had freckles, yeah. she burned in the sun. Wow. She was, ve- I mean, she was ve- like, she was a white woman. And yeah. people were shocked when she spoke Spanish. Yeah. And they'd be like, Where did you learn to speak Spanish? And she's like, I'm from Puerto Rico. Right. Right. So, like, people have this idea of what a Latino looks like. Yes. And it's never what my mother looks like. Right. You know what I mean? It's never like these blonde haired, blue eyed cousins right. that I have. Right. Right. It's like, it's like the SNL broad. Right. And it's like Salma Hayek. Right. right. Like, and that's it. It's mm-hmm. never the celiac Cruz, right? So you and I are already not in either one of those Right. Even Eva even
0: mendez just looks a little bit tanned. You I mean, know? So right. Like she can and <laughs> she, you know, yeah. She can look like, italian or something, you know. You,
1: and, like, Sofia Vergara, dad. like, she colors her blonde hair brown. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, and but she's still significantly lighter, right? right. So for people, like, you and I, we our phenotype. Like, people look at my nose, and you can, like come on right, right? Yeah, like, like i don't have a particular like i have a wide i have wide features mm-hmm. my lips are like four times bigger than everybody <laughs> in my immediate family <laughs> really? i'm serious like their lips are like tiny thin yeah. slits yeah i mean and it just is and that's who they are um so you know my experiences in my family where people saw too much black in me and they wanted to like shrink that Mm. was one thing and then moving in the world outside of my family where people treated me like a mixed-race black girl Mm. because they were just like you black what you mix with right Right. that kind of thing and I grew up up south in Maryland so you know it's a different history of like what blackness looks like in the south like we're below the Mason-Dixon line with the south right so people had a very different interaction with um with my blackness when I was outside of my community Mm -hmm. and people just assumed that I was right Mm -hmm. and so it was me who struggled because Mm -hmm. I was like you know it was in this crawl space of Mm -hmm. like why are people treating me differently when I'm at these two places Mm -hmm. but really what it ended up the realization for me when I was younger was that okay but everybody's treating me like I'm black my parents don't like me because I'm Blacker mm-hmm. than they would like. Mm-hmm. And then if I get darker in the sun, they don't like that. You know, mm-hmm. I was that mm-hmm. kind of family. Like, pinch your nose, stay right. out of the sun type of shit. And it nose. wasn't always my immediate family. It was more like my grandparents, right? right? They always sent us to where right. we go every summer. And then in the communities, like, people were just like, you are black girl, like, so let's come over here and do this. Like, right. it wasn't even a question. Right. Right? It was, like so I was like why am I resisting this reality right it's you know right. And, it just beca- right and it just became a part of like my consciousness mm-hmm. right because sometimes our consciousness is just completely squashed mm-hmm. because our living environments don't allow us to explore or evolve it mm-hmm. um and so it's been it's been complicated it's been difficult it's been hard like I've set, like I had homegirls who were like let's go to the essence festival and I was like I'm not Black though, right? Like, so I would have that response, and they would be like, what? "Right, you know," and like just like <laughs> pause, so, like, right? Right? Like, huh? what the fuck are you talking about? Right? I'm right? like, like, all right, for you too, right. right? Exactly. And but then I was like, I also don't want to see Shamar more Y'all was gonna lie to, to <laughs> I don't want to see him. You know, like, whatever. That's funny. So there was that, and then you know, just um moving to New York City for grad school in 2000 was also like one of the defining points for me where I finally left the South and I was in a different space where people look like me. You know, so even to this day, um, when I go back home to Maryland, people are like, wow. Like, you... I like your freckles. Wow, your hair's so big. You know, like, they just still don't see representations of people. I'm also fucking six feet tall and fat, (laughs) right? So, like, there's that. There's also that. But, you know, so it's like... It's an experience to see me walking on the street, right? Mm. But, um... So, I think within that, uh, so things have been shifting for me, but also, like, I came into my blackness a while ago, right? Mm -hmm. And so this term of, like, Afro-Latinidad, or being Afro-Latina, like, that's, so, like, my next thing, I'm excited that people are using, like, Latinx, and I really want people to start using the X. Mm-hmm. in the African parts of us mm-hmm. um, because queering the African in us is important and gendering or challenging the gender in that like mm-hmm. why do we only get to be flexible and inclusive in our Latinidad because that's not the reality of the world right right so it's really more of the African where we have more of like an inclusivity um, so I say Afro-Latina and people were like Afro? Mm-hmm. What's that mean? Mm-hmm. and I'm like a feminization of the African in me because like, right. I identify as a woman right, right? Um, like I don't use a hyphen mm-hmm. you know because for me it's also like a, a metaphor a theory like the hyphen like there's already a space in the hyphen right mm-hmm. but there is no space in who I am right, right. so I like using like a the one word one right like that's just yeah. one word that encompasses all of me in a particular way mm-hmm. so I mean and then I have people who like I used to use I still use the term Negra. I love that term mm-hmm. I love that it's in Spanish That it can be Spanglish, Mm -hmm. that I can still fuck around with the term, that I can capitalize shit in a different way. I like that. I like the wordplay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And I'm excited to see what young people do with their identities and their language moving forward. Because I recognize that, like, you know, I'm old now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm excited that there's a lot more young black. I don't mean that you're young. I'm just listening. (laughs) I know what you meant. You're like, yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> it's totally fine because you know I'm one of those people that love to get older. Uh, I love love, love. I'm, I'm so like excited. looking forward to
0: forty. It's weird. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and all my homies are like, "No, she'll yeah. be from the age." Oh no, psych, I got raised, and
0: I'm like not covering this. Right? Office. I'm excited
1: for mine. Yeah. Like I earn those yeah. suckers. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so I'm excited to see like what happens with identity moving forward. And you know, I think identity is it's complicated but that's why I love it because people get to choose for themselves what works Mm -hmm. and you know I'm not a fan of like calling people like sellouts or like Stuff like that because I know what it feels like to be in a space where you're like, I don't know what the fuck I want to call myself today. Mm. Like, I, and I don't know who the hell I am. Right. right? Like, I feel like we all have like those existential crises throughout our life. Oh, hell yeah. Where I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with oh, my life? Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm inching towards that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm like, what's next for me? Right. Like, B, you did all these things already. Right what's the next move, right? right? Like, you ain't got retirement, say. I don't know. <laughs> Where are you trying <laughs> to be like in 10 that. years? Right. Yeah. Can you afford to live in New York City anymore? Right. Like, I'm really, like, getting into those spaces. And then also, like, how is, you know, am I ready for what being me in another world or another place means, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so for me, I'm like, okay, if I ever leave New York City, I need to go to, a black community. Like, I can't go to like Corpus Christi, Texas. Mm. Right. There's no way. Right. Right. Like, I just would not find community. I would not be able to be like my full self. Right. Like, the black parts of me would not right. be like sustained or nurtured right. outside of my own process. Right. And that to me sounds really exhausting. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's not because of like Corpus Christi Mexico, because basically half of like the West Coast is. Uh-huh. But it's just like that's not where black people are yeah right so maybe Houston I could right, know, right yeah. but you know so I'm looking and, and that's a complicated thing to do too is to think about the, the parts of me that are most vulnerable mm-hmm. and that I have to nurture and make sure are safe. Right. Like, that's... I've never had to think about my life in that way before. And so having to be like, okay, my next move needs to be, like, New Orleans. It needs to be Atlanta. Right. It needs to be, like, Baltimore.
0: Right.
1: Like, that shit's scary. And it's complicated. And it's like, there's more police there, too. Right. And... Um, it's interesting you yeah. say that because it just makes me think and I,
0: I relate so much to what you're saying um, I always I also feel like I almost feel a little guilty in that I don't have that connection with my Latin community mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or my Latino community
1: whatever, whatever
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah like I, I, I identify as Latin and I do have connections to it and I love the music and the food and mm-hmm. you know all that stuff and uh, and I love the language, and I love that I can speak it. Mm-hmm. I'm so, like, grateful for that, you know? Um, but I also find myself, again, feeling like... Well, I guess what what I want to say is, like, you mention all these, all these spaces or places to live that are predominantly Black, but you don't mention Latino. Like, mm-hmm. would it be... Would you feel out of place there as well? Right. And, and why?
1: Yeah. So I think for us being, like, Caribbean Latinos... Is different, right? Because mm-hmm. it just is. So for us, I think our rituals and our cultural <laughs> beliefs and our artifacts and the ways that we transmit our cultural beliefs um, are very African. Yeah. And you know, when I think about like how we dance and how we sing mm-hmm. and how we cook, that's exactly what you find. Right. You know? Maybe we don't make gumbo,
0: right? Right, but, but that's we, more Americanized too. That's
1: something that, I right? I mean, it's French. It's African. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, Afri- I mean oh, it's a okay. mashup, right? Yeah, yeah. But like. But we make plantains. Right. And so does, like, every other place in the Caribbean. Right. And many parts of Africa. You know, right. so I, for me, like, I have more similarities. And I've said this for generations. Not generations. I've been, I've been, I've been <laughs> Decades. Decades, <laughs> yeah. That, like, I have more in common with other, um, like, Dominicans and Cubans mm-hmm. and, the, and people in the Caribbean than I do with Latinos. Mm. So I for me, them. like, I connect. For me, I use Latino in the same way that I use feminism. Like, okay, you wanna call me a feminist? Cool. You wanna call me nothing? am fine. Like I'm not gonna argue with you. Mm. Like I know who I am and I know where I know why you're choosing that term for me. Right. But if I get to self select and self label, I'm gonna choose something different, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of like feminism, I would say radical woman of colour. Because okay. that encompasses like a lot of who I am, right? right? Um, I love that. That's badass. Yeah, I too. mean, yeah, and it's just a radical woman. And of then it's, like starts <laughs> a conversation, yeah. Because feminism shuts people down. They're like, oh concepts. god, yeah. okay, yep. And then when it comes to, like looking you that part, um, for me at least, you know, I, I don't feel a lack of those things, but also you know we're everywhere too Mm -hmm. just like black people everywhere latinos Mm -hmm. are everywhere too Mm -hmm. so maybe i'm not gonna find right maybe we won't find puerto ricans and dominicans and cubans in um new orleans but we will find hondurans Mm -hmm. and we will certainly find some mexicans right you know who helped rebuild new orleans after katrina right it was latino laborers too right so same thing in atlanta that's a man-made city who had to help erect that space mm-hmm. so it's black and Latinos mm-hmm. and, and Asian people you mm-hmm. find a lot of Asian right. people there too um, same thing with Baltimore I mean like, I feel like even though they're black communities we're still there right and that's where the stuff with like Celia Cruz and Roberto Clemente come up we're there but maybe some people don't even see that in us mm-hmm. until we have to start telling them that, that's, that right. it's there it's funny, you yeah. know um, because so, we just come in so many different shades and colors mm-hmm. that we might already be there and people just think Latino looks way and so oh you can't be Latino and tell people like, No, I'm from Panama Right. And yeah. You're like, oh Yeah, and they're like, right? Oh, that's Latino, they have no idea. Yeah. yeah. And I've I've found a lot of that in those three cities where people are like, No, I'm from Panama or No, my family's Cuban. Right, like, you're, you like, you're, and son, they're, you're like, you're right? like Yeah, and they're like dark black, you right. know? And it's and that's the beauty of <sighs> our existence and like our communities. Um yeah, and it really you know it's sad that we don't have all the Latino communities who, are at this at the point where they can like recognize yeah. that. It's funny I'm and
0: I'm having like a, a moment of what's the term enlightenment okay. I think Aww, because nice. I I grew up um, in in a in my my own family my. Mm-hmm. Um, My father's side of the family, it's very strange. He's very, he was dark, Mm -hmm. um, but his sisters are all very light. Um, And so when he, when our, when my biological mother passed away, Mm -hmm. my sister and I were split and we were sent with either, one of each of his sisters. Mm -hmm. And um, so I grew up in a very light skin family mm-hmm. my sister's children are light my sister and my mom they're all light my brother is dark mm-hmm. um, but as we're talking about it, it well here so my sister mm-hmm. my biological sister who was raised by the other aunt um was also raised and away from me so we mm-hmm. just recently reconnected and so as you're talking I'm thinking about this whole thing I'm thinking about the whole identity thing and and I feel like oh I think the reason why I'm apprehensive about acknowledging that blackness, although I'm mm-hmm. I feel so drawn to it, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I'm apprehensive because I didn't grow up seeing it in mm-hmm. my own family,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and although that's what I look like, right. that's not what they look like. Mm-hmm. My brother, however, I have to say my who I was raised with, mm-hmm. my uh, my cousin, I guess, but mm-hmm. he, I don't call them yeah, that because yeah. that's weird. That's yeah. not who they are to me, <laughs> um, but he he I think at some point really did uh, recognize that mm-hmm. he has dreads down his back mm-hmm. he doesn't question that I don't think yeah. um, but I, I'm just kind of processing this as we talk so I'm yeah, sorry it's but I'm like oh it's so interesting because maybe that's why mm-hmm. I struggle with this feeling of like I know that there is this kind of community mm-hmm. um, or that I'm there's a reason why I, re- I reflect relate so much to mm-hmm. African things, mm-hmm. or or the black community, and it's because that's who I look like versus like who I grew up seeing. Who maybe I don't see myself in that.
1: Right, right. Oh, yeah. That's so weird. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's really it scary. is weird, and it's um, it's not uncommon, right? So you know, imagine like what your brother's experience was, right? To have this like transformation internally, mm-hmm. and then have it manifest externally, so that mm-hmm. everybody. Sees that, yeah. yeah. And I know a lot of, like, I have an ex-partner um, and lover who incredibly light skinned, like, lighter than me, like, yeah. you know, the palm, the palm side, head, right? right? Um, Who grew locks because they knew that that would make me, like, my blackness would not be questioned. I see. Right? And when they started to lose their hair, because, yeah. you know, age yeah. and hair thinning and locks are heavy, yeah, and, you know, heavy. they had the shape, like, they cut, they had a different hairstyle. Right, of course. Which is not... And now people like do like a little double take. Right. Like it's not they're not as easily identifiable as black right. because their hair or their presentation mm-hmm. is shifted. Right. Um, and that's real, right? To have to like live a majority of your life, and then you, as you age to hit like fifty or something, yeah, and have your whole identity, identity and the way that you move through the world shift. Right And to finally be like, to have a little taste of like, oh, this is how white people are treated.
0: Wow. Because
1: you see me as white and I have some money to spend, you know. Um, And how that just was so quick that it shifted. And them saying to me... When we were dating, they're like, "You get so much attention that I'm used to getting, mm. and now that I have a different hairstyle, I just blend in, wow. and nobody like looks at me that's or compliments so me or whatever." Yeah. And I was like, "Are you jealous?" Like, right? First of all, are you jealous, and <laughs> right. also like, like, oh, that's an interesting like, perspective, right. and though. It's not a competition but I um, ended up like buying a hat, and everybody like loved this hat. And right? I like, right, <laughs> nice. got it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> was that. You were missing a hat, so. right? Exactly. That's so they got hilarious. a hat. And they were wearing the hat, and now everyone loves a hat. But um, but yeah, like I just—it's just, it's just a, such a different experience, right? So imagining also how that shifts as we age is also fascinating to me, um, because it's not just about like where we are as adolescents, right? And I, we see that a lot with like sexual orientation, for example. We see people coming out. When they're married, mm-hmm. have kids, and are like, actually, I'm really a lesbian, or actually, right. I'm a really gay man, or right. whatever, I'm bisexual. And, you know, families having to decide what they're gonna do are they gonna stay together, how mm-hmm. they're gonna reunify, how they're gonna right. co parent, whatever. Um, I think racial identity, in many ways, can be similar um, for some people, especially people who've been adopted, people who, like, don't know parts of their family, mm-hmm. who don't know the history, you know, in their family, or whatever. Um, yeah, and I think, it you know, it's just, it's so layered, and it's so vast. And, like, there's never going to be an ending no. of any of the stories. Like, there, mm-hmm. there's just going to always be so many, and yeah. so many more, and so many more. And, you know, for me, I like the ability to create a space where people are like, shit, I found this thing, and I look at all these, oh my, oh shit, there's a syllabus for a Latino, it's like class, and mm-hmm. oh snap, I've never heard of this story before, and look at this play, I look at you know, like, I love people finding an archive yeah. so they can like just tease things out and be like, this connects with me, this resonates with me, this doesn't, this is trash, I right. like this Right, where is that? Right, <laughs> well I the Latin Project, want, right? Oh, I That's what I want that. the Latin Project to be Because I
0: think. don't have a resource, and yeah. I find myself being kind of like, okay, this is another opportunity yeah. to talk to someone who may know, yeah. how do you get that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right, it's a lot Um, yeah, I feel like you probably already have a really good foundation for that already. Um, one, being in New York City and being raised here and Get being you. a girl of color raised here. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, like, you work at a college. Girl, you got libraries. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I always tell people. The resources
0: are there, yes. Yeah, so people
1: tell me, like, yeah, should I go to college? And I'm like, have you used your library card? Right. You know, like, have you started there first? Right. Like, maybe what you need to learn isn't at a, in a PhD program if right. you don't want to be a professor. Right. Like, maybe what you need to do is, like, go and get the certification or mm-hmm. read these books mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so, you know, everybody, like, loved the Afro Latino Reader when it came out. And I have it. I haven't read it. What is that? that was, it's a book. It's over here in the corner. Um, which you can take with you if you want. Um, it's an anthology of narratives and stories and theories about Afro Latino identity. Um and who had there's two editors I can't remember the names but um they're both identified as Afro Latino and um yeah so it came out like four years ago I want to say and people loved it and blew it up and blah blah and honestly like I have it, I've, I haven't read it and, right. and I feel okay about that Right. You know, I don't feel like I'm dissing anybody's work right. or you know I'm not like whatever we can't read it all we like that's the all. first thing right so you gotta read the things that connect to you and or listen to the things that connect to you. Maybe it's maybe there's a bunch of podcasts now. That podcasts have had, like, a resurrection recently. Right. So maybe it's more listening to different podcasts. Maybe it's, you know, um, po- reading poems, which I hated poetry because I didn't understand it. Mm. You know? And then when I understood it, I was like, oh, shit, I oh, like yeah. this stuff. Maybe yeah. I can write it, too, right? Exactly. Um, I feel like it's the same way. Like, films really helped me. So I'm trying to think of films that I really loved. I fell in love with... Um, Miracle at St. Anna, okay. which is one of Spike Lee's films yeah. about the black soldiers, a.k.a. Buffalo soldiers, who were sent to Italy during uh, World War II. And so they were a black battalion who, I mean, in many they're fighting the Germans, you mm. know what I mean, and they're trying to, like, get things or mm-hmm. whatever. And the lead character is Laz Alonso, and it's about a black Puerto Rican soldier oh wow and like Spike Lee was intentional about that shit yeah because that because we were there right you know like that's not you didn't make that. that shit up right and that's the thing like when you watch the film you think <laughs> it's, it's a black film right? <laughs> right but you know in the course of watching this black film you're like oh snap that's a black Puerto Rican. Right. And, and all the other black motherfuckers are treating him like he's just one of them, because he is, right. right? And he's also not, like, avoiding his culture. He's not, like, hiding it. He's not having to, like, downplay his Latinidad or his yes. Puerto rican to be black, right? right. Like, he just... He is existing. Fully present and, yeah. like, accepted. And I love, you know, stories like that, where it's like, oh, like, it's just it's not a big fucking deal because mm-hmm. that's who this person is, right? right? So stories like that I really love. Um, did you read P.D. Tomas's work like *Guns in Streets? Oh, maybe. I feel like that's such a big That's a high school thing. classic story. I feel yeah. like did.
0: too.
1: Like, so his story was like one of the bigger ones that came mm-hmm. out in New York City which I feel like he's dead now but he's had several mm-hmm. books that talked about his life being a black Puerto Rican. Mm. Um, and, and here's the other I don't know if you see this like um, this thread that connects it—it's all very masculine stories yes. that we have, yes. right? We don't always have these stories of like Afro-Latinas mm-hmm. and what they've experienced and what that was like. Which is why I love the work of like Jessica Johnson, who's a Black Puerto Rican um, historian, who I worked together with at the La Project because she looks at um, women, enslaved women, you know, women who were raped and had babies. Uh, you know all this other stuff and how Latinidad like shifted or Mm complemented or whatever all of that and so you get these narratives that you never really hear about um, from like a very feminine perspective right so that I think is great and I feel like there's so much on the, Lat- the Latinos website and it's a Tumblr page okay and we did that on purpose because six years ago you know Tumblr was like the spot to be uh-huh. for young people and a lot of like the afro Latino spaces that emerged were very much rooted in higher education uh-huh. and like think tanks. Gotcha. Which to me are not very accessible. Mm-hmm. Like if I want, you know, the homeboy who's at the corner in Washington Heights on his cell phone, right, looking at, you know, looking for shit online. I want him to be able to come across something, right, or to be like, yo, I'm gonna take a selfie and submit it to the Latinas Project and right. publish it, right, right. So it was really about it being like user generated mm-hmm. um, material and not just us, right, like, like curating stuff, but right. like. You know People submit stuff to us all the time. Like, here's a poem I wrote about my blackness. Oh, wow. Or, like, I had a fight with my dad, and here's a picture I took in my tears. Oh, or, like, you know I mean? the internet, it's a variety yeah. of things, yeah. right? So, like, people can be like, this is what it feels like when I have this fight, and mm. this is what I look like, and this mm-hmm. is what I am. Like, it's validating, it's affirming, yeah. and it's like a story, and blah, blah. Yeah. So, um yeah, and like, I love the fact that that's there and I also love the fact that I can leave that space as like the founder like I'll always be the founder I just don't have to be involved let other people deal with that shit not deal with it like build it up and shift it into whatever else I can't even imagine it is to become right and I love that like I want to know what it's going to be in 10 years right and like how is it going to rock my world in a way that I can't even (laughs) imagine right now you know like that's exciting to me
0: that is very Um, cool so yeah so there's
1: lots of material over there if you're like
0: I I need a book. A I'm new gonna new... look it up. A song. And I'm gonna take that book from you. Good.
1: Um so <laughs> you. we've gotten to the end. Oh Do you wanna share? That with was the... so fast. <laughs> I know, right? It's
0: just this conversation yeah, yeah. all these other things come up. You're like, yeah, Oh, right, I wanna right. talk about this other thing. Right. And right. I'm sure we could talk all day. Of course. Um, yes. Because there's just so <laughs> many questions I'm sure I didn't ask that I'm going to be like, oh, I should have told for this or we asked can do this like a part whatever. Two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I thank you so much okay. for sitting with me and having this conversation. Can you just quickly like break down where we can
1: find the information
0: that you want to put out there that you want to share
1: sure so i'm all over and i'm really accessible so people are welcome to like tweet at me send me you know you can find my email address it's not a secret mm-hmm. um <laughs> so on twitter i'm latinosexuality um and i'm also at latinosexuality.com and then i the latin negros project is on tumblr so you just have to google latin negros and it's spelled l-a-t-i-n-e-g-r-o-s um, we put the X, but, you know, in the, in the search, website right. you can't. Um, or you'll lose the archives. So. Right. Um, so that's the Lucky Project. I also found it, which we didn't talk too much about, which is totally fine, the Women of Color Sexual Health Network. Oh, wow. Um, oh, so- I did want to touch on that because <laughs> I saw that you were, like, giving out awards and stuff. I was like, "What are yeah. you doing over there? Yeah. Can
0: you go over yeah. that really quickly?
1: Sure. <laughs> so the Women of Color Sexual Health Network is a membership organization that I created or co-founded with two other uh, black women. Seven years ago, wow. Um, and so we're all three of us are in the sexuality community, and we just kept seeing a dearth of us represented at conferences, receiving awards, getting jobs, and we also were like fed up because I was like, why am I? Why do I keep losing these jobs? Like, why does this white girl get the curriculum mm. to write for mm-hmm. black girls mm. about masturbation, and not one of us? Right. Who are black girls who masturbate? Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who this broad is going to ask us? Questions about, it, about. about like the, no yeah. for free anyways right. so um you're maybe so like, not go down that right. road at all. so we were like let's create a space for women of color who are in the field and women and of color we don't police anybody so people are like I'm a trans femme from like Kentucky and my family's name. okay okay uh, come yeah. on in you doing the work let's go right um but we have a hard line around whiteness. Like, if you do not identify as a person of color, even though you might be white-passing, like, you can't play with us. Mm-hmm. But if you, like, quote-unquote white-passing, or you're very light-skinned, or you feel like my mother, who's mm-hmm. Puerto Rican, come on, mm-hmm. let's do this work. Yeah. But you also have a responsibility as a lighter-skinned person to speak up in a way that the rest of us can't right. because we're darker or because of whatever, right? right. So... So it's a membership organization. We provide, like, scholarships for members. We provide support around getting to conferences or getting training. We provide mentorship. Like, all the things we didn't have when we were coming into the field. So, um, you know, I've been in the field for 20 years. So to have this start seven years ago and then to see it like blow up over the past three years has really been like intense yeah but it's also exciting so like every national organization around sexuality knows about us right like, you know we're in communication with like real, like people who have like the ear of President Obama right like they're like let's get on a conference call Bia Katrina Mariata, yeah. you know what I mean like, so we have like that kind of like connection um which is intense and it's a huge responsibility and you know we're all cool. exhausted yeah. and we're like all right come on next who's gonna take up. who's gonna take this torch because wow. we want to go and retire right? Wow. but um so yeah so watch so if there's people who want to be sex educators or therapists or counselors or workers or whatever are in the sexuality field they identify in some way as women of color definitely looks us up we're primarily uh, a membership website which is the acronym W O C S H N dot org, um, and we also have a closed Facebook group where we post all of the job openings, scholarships oh, nice. that we get. Because at this point, we have you know these white organizations who are like, look, we know we're fucking up. We know we need to get more people of color. The ways that we can do that is by offering you these scholarships. To attend mm-hmm. If you want to give it to your members, and so mm-hmm. that's one of the ways we start to infiltrate and expand and give people experiences that they can't afford otherwise. You know, we're talking about, like, thousands of dollars. Yeah. Because it's expensive to fly your tail to, like, California for the sex conference there, spend four days in a hotel, and feed yourself. Right. Like, that's almost $1,300. Right. No. No. Who has that, you Mm. know? Plus
0: the registration fee for the actual event.
1: Yeah. See? Hidden registration fee, man. (laughs) Look, it's no joke. Yeah. So... Being able to offer people those experiences that I never had because I couldn't afford them is really, really important to That's me. That's so powerful. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I saw um, this picture.
0: Where it's, it's just words. I love quotes. And mm-hmm. it was like, um, be the person you wish you had when you were younger. Mm-hmm. And I, like, love that. Yeah. I think that it's so important to keep that in mind. Because yeah. like you said, you didn't have that opportunity, but right. if you can make it just a little bit easier for the next person and they pay it forward, it can yeah. be such a big payback for right. everybody involved.
1: Yeah. I mean, representation yes. is so important. Yeah. And to not feel like you're the only one. Like, that's important. You know, yes. to walk into a room and to know, I will not be the only black person. I will not be the only Latina. Right. I will not be asked to speak for all Asian or Native people. Right. Like... Cause other people like you are going to be in there like mm-hmm. that's really important yeah you know because then it feels like a setup right if you're the only person of color and you know that's true that's a shitty feeling I've had true. a lot of those feelings
0: so so I mean, you yeah. don't want
1: that yeah so those are the places you can find me um that's what you asked right yeah, yeah
0: okay <laughs> yeah the facebook or the, yeah. the twitter um yes. tumblr that's exciting so yeah. any big things you're moving
1: on to doing um, or planning Let's or you'd see. like to do I know right mm-hmm. like, I'm always writing I'm always writing yeah. um, so I'll probably have like, I have a new lesson plans out awesome. so you know if people are looking for certain ways to talk to young people in their lives about things yeah. like I do that work so oh, people cool. can come out to me um, what else do I have coming up I am going to a couple of conferences so in November I'll be at Facing Race in Atlanta talking about consent for queer youth oh that's cool um, and so I'm doing a workshop around that um, I'll probably be in New Orleans for the winter, which mm. I'm really excited about, because I don't want to see snow. Oh, that's, <laughs> like, Mary City Guts. You're like, bye. Um, right, like, yeah. <laughs> let me just be over there. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, I think, you know, like, my mom recently died in March, so I've, sorry. so, like, I quit my full-time job, yeah. and I was, like, I just need to take care of myself yeah. and do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. So, I don't know what. Next I love me, that You know Yeah like I was just in Atlantic City In the Jersey right. Shore Like I was talking right. like, Yeah I was thinking I'm like Isn't it like Wednesday When's Right It's, Wednesday it's so Wednesday? random <laughs> Yeah But it's like I want to have those Random experiences And I'm right. just like My mom would want me to Right Good So I don't know Good I don't know Yeah just But live, I'm excited live Like live I'm life. living life I like to think That I'm trying to live